So hello, my name is Christina Gadd and this is my third Trainer Tools podcast for John Tomlinson. And today I've got a special guest um, and it's Harriet Bell from the Emerald Publishing Group. She's their marketing director and in this series that I've been recording, I've been curious to know what we in learning and development can learn from other parts of the business. And I'm sure that this conversation will be no exception in illuminating this subject for us. So hello Harriet and how are you? Hi, Christina. Hi. Uh, very well, thank you. And uh, I'm delighted to be able to join you today. Thanks for having me. Great. So and where are you joining us from today? So we're based in Yorkshire. We are a, a proud northern publisher. Um, we've been... Uh, We've been around for just over 50 years now. We've always been based in the north of England, but we are a global publisher and we have offices in 11 uh, countries around the world. Um, and so I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a, have, a, have a global remit. I'm on the board of Emerald. So I work with uh, colleagues and customers and authors globally. And whereabouts in Yorkshire? Because I'm in Yorkshire too. Are you? Yes, whereabouts are you? We are in Bingley. Ah, right, okay, so, uh, so not, not too not far. Not far from Bradford. No, well, I'm in North Leeds, so not too far at not all. Not too far, yeah. No, not at all. But I'm curious to, to know, I know what, what your title is, your mm -hmm. marketing director, but would you mind telling me a little bit about what you do and maybe how long you've been with Emerald as well? Yeah, I've been with Emerald for just over four years now. Um, but my entire career has been in academic publishing, so for over 25 years now. Um, and I joined Emerald um, for a, a board position that they had established for marketing and also for product. Um, so we have, we have marketing and, and product development joined together um, under, my, um, uh, under my leadership at, at Emerald. Um, and so I'm responsible for um, how we find and reach um, our audience, which we, we define as people who are passionate about the real impact that research can have. So when you, when you, you do that research, you develop, develop an evidence base and we want to find people who are trying to put that into practice, who are trying to act on it to make some real change in, in the world and to tackle some of the world's uh, you know, biggest grand challenges and, and wicked problems. Mm. So from a marketing perspective, you know, our, our job is to reach those people and to earn their trust, mm -hmm. to, to earn their business. Um, and from a product perspective, our job is to develop the tools and the services um, and, and, and the ways of delivering research to them um, to help them do that. Oh, interesting. And I may come back to that a bit later about the, the evidence-based stuff and the data and stuff, because it's an area which is being hotly um, discussed at the moment in learning mm. development. So I may come back to that in a moment to see what we could learn from marketing. Okay. So um, just wanted to start off really with what, what are your greatest challenges at the moment in your work? I think this is where actually partnership with L&D is, I find it really, really critical um, because I think that how, how often do we find that pe people and behaviours are both the greatest success factor, mm -hmm. but also the greatest cause sometimes of, of frustration or delay or even business failure. So, you know, my challenge around how do we 
you know, really fulfill our purpose as a business and really fulfill our, our mission as a business because we are quite mission led. So we're looking for people who care about about this, who care about what we're doing. I think I think my greatest challenge there is is finding and developing a really high performing team who can take on you know quite pretty pretty big challenges that, that we're looking at when we we look at the fact that we're you know we're trying to help people who are solving these you know big big challenges in the world like um you know action on climate change um how we're moving into a digital future uh sustainable cities um responsible management these kinds of areas which they're very aligned to the um, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. That, that's what we're focused on doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's a, it's, a hard, it's a hard job. We are a fairly small player, mm-hmm. um, but we are, we're a challenger brand. We, we are trying to kind of punch, punch above our weight. And, you know, in order to do that, to be progressive, to make a difference, to do this well... Um, you know, my biggest challenge is how do I get a really, a, a, a really sort of committed and, and muscular and, and satisfied team to do that? Mm. And I'm just curious as well, is, is recruiting the right people a, a challenge for you then? Is that mm-hmm. one of the things you're finding? Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I was thinking before we spoke today about the kind of goal, the kind of business goals that where I think L&D can help. Um, and I was thinking around things like succession planning, employee retention, being more attractive for recruitment. And, and how, do you, how do you tap into the real drivers that people have to, 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 to kind of generate that high performance culture that, that you want? I think that, that those are all areas where the business can partner with with L and D um, mm. help with that. So that I mean, those are all areas that are are very relevant for us as 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 they are to to many businesses. And what do you find that your new recruits are actually looking for in an employer? Then what what are they saying to you that then they they're needing and wanting from an employer? Yeah, it's interesting. I know there's a lot of of discussion around um, millennials. Um, do you know what what do they want is that any different to to the past Um, I I think that um, you know the values that people have that they're bringing into the workplace and they're looking to to find roles where they can where, where you know what they're doing is is aligned with their values and where they feel they can make a difference I'm definitely hearing people be more explicit about that. I don't mm. think that that's necessarily uh, something that, that wasn't there. You know, I've, I've certainly always felt that, but I think it's, it seems it, it's more acceptable now, which is great. It's more acceptable now to be, be more explicit that that's what you're looking for. And you're looking for an, an employer who is aligned to your values that's interesting isn't it because I know I I left various companies because you know they weren't aligned to my values but um, I don't think I actually mentioned it and I don't know whether I would have mentioned it sort of years ago to, to, mm. to a future employer but it's great that people are actually saying that so how does that make you have to work differently then? I think it makes me feel that I have a real responsibility to use this company to change the things that we we say we will change 
and to act the way that we that we say we'll act um and and that that's very much um you know it's a, it's, a, it's a very holistic and kind of end-to-end vision then that you're responsible for through your policies the language that you use um the way you support people the kinds of products and services that you are producing how ethical is your supply chain you know it kind of goes across so so many areas mm. um and and i think we have a responsibility if we say that we're going to be be values led and that we expect our people to behave a certain way then i think the company needs to behave that way too mm. and so this challenge of getting the right people and having the right team with the right skills and everything and also the fact that you want to be an employer that's got um, the right values aligned with your new recruits who who's helping you um, solve those challenges for you then um, I think there's a number of a number of um, a number of players a number of factors in that I think direct feedback from your employees as much as you can get that developing a feedback rich culture it that's that's very very important um so i I think you know our people help us with that hugely i think our market helps us with that a lot How, Um, how do you encourage sort of internally then that culture of sort of giving good feedback then what practical tips you know might you pass on to other organizations i mean very very practically, I think um, one, one, of the, one of the things that we've done, um, you know, in, in small teams, but also as larger sessions, is, is directly look at the, the art of feedback. Um, how, you, how you ask for it, how you ask for permission to give feedback, um, how you can feedback in a in a non-confrontational way and in a more factual way um how you can respond to that feedback i think there's you know there's a huge amount of resources around there but i think it's also role modeling that so um you know i i try to remember all the time to ask ask people for feedback on what i've done or 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 you know what what people in, in my team have done um internally but also in terms of being a marketing department asking that of our customers all the time i mean one of the key metrics that that we use and and there's there's various ones i know lots of companies have have different approaches to this but we use a net promoter score to find out um whether or not our market our customers would would recommend us and in fact we were having a discussion today about how frequently we should get that feedback from our customers because we did it we have been doing it annually um but a a, a group of of researchers we were talking to today they said oh well many companies are doing this you know every minute Mm. or uh some of them have a kind of every three days they go out and ask ask for feedback from their customers and that's qualitative feedback there's also obviously all of the all of the analytics around particularly in the digital world how mm. people are actually behaving which is, is obviously a major type of, of feedback as well so i think you know in terms of developing that feedback rich culture and you're talking kind of practically i suppose that's just two ways one is is actually looking at the art of feedback and practicing mm. it role modeling it 
and and the other is is you know as a company you can be more feedback rich in the way you interact with your customers and the way you use the data and make that data visible um, across the company that that your customers are giving you Mm. and i'm just curious actually how i suppose a good measure of, of how successful you are at um, doing this feedback thing and doing it honestly is how honest are people do you think you know with you in terms of giving you feedback I think that I feel like I sort of get two ends of the spectrum I think where I have very good deep trusting relationships with individuals mm. I, I hope I'd, I'd like to think but I hope that they're honest I think they're honest mm-hmm. they, they say things to me that that I often don't like <laughs> <laughs> well that is a measure of honesty then isn't it probably, I suppose probably I mean, a measure yeah. of honesty yeah. um and and equally I will say things to them that they, they probably didn't want to hear either um that, that's kind of one end of the scale and then I think the other end of the scale is is when you start to look at data in aggregate and you begin to see some trends and you can Mm. correlate that with other sources of data as well you can get to a kind you know a kind of of truth in terms of you know big bigger data patterns if if many people are acting in this way then there is there is probably some truth in that Mm. um so i think there's there's those sorts of two ends of the spectrum there around around honesty but I, i think you know, it's a real challenge, isn't it? How, it how is. do you get? How do you really, honestly get feedback? Yeah, um, and, and you mentioned the data because it, it sounds like you, you know, you get in the qualitative stuff, and then you get the data to back it up and everything. And and data is a really hot topic at the moment with yeah. uh, learning development. So, yeah. what could L and D learn from you know marketing in terms of data collection and analysis and how we use data? Mm. I mean, I think it's really critical. It has become really critical to marketing because there's such direct ROI that you need to demonstrate. You know, marketing can be very expensive um, and you need to be able to justify the investment from a financial perspective, but also in terms of effectiveness, you, you need to know that you're targeting the right people at the right time. I think that there's there's a lot of new sources particularly digital sources now that that marketers are using to try to get kind of holy grail which is a you know a 360 degree picture mm-hmm. of a customer and you know customers will reveal things at, at different times in different ways and one thing that i think is 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 not always as useful are kind of big big surveys every now and again a big Mm -hmm. survey every now and again will give you a bit of a picture of something but it's actually that um that day-to-day behavior and preferences and habits that you're trying to pick up and understand about about people and trying to get to more of a kind of attitudinal understanding of them as well so you're digging deeper really isn't it it's like looking beyond the the great big picture and maybe when you when you get that big survey you you tend to maybe iron out some of the peaks and troughs so it's actually looking into those peaks and troughs Mm -hmm. troughs almost Harry is that what you're saying 
Yeah, I think do, and gathering data more frequently. People, they don't always need to be kind of explicitly giving you data. They are giving off data by the choices that they make mm. and, and the way they behave with in, in any kind of interaction with you. If you can start to collect some of that, and be able to look at, at a whole range of different, different smaller interactions, you can often get, I think, a clearer picture of what's really driving somebody. And if you can correlate that with, with other, other data sources as well. I mean, marketeers will often use you know, data sources that are around the, the demographic and where you live and other things like that that they might, they might cross-reference with data that they've collected in-house to get a bit of a better picture of what that person is probably like and building different personas as well. So you can start to bring your customer to life mm. within the company. Um, and that, you know, that kind of persona development is something that we use quite a lot mm. in product development as well. So you really, you know, everybody working on building a solution for somebody is trying to put themselves in that person's shoes mm. down to, you know, what was their day like probably? Mm-hmm. Um, what did they do before they got to work? In, in product development, you often look at what's somebody doing in the 10 minutes before they use your product and in the 10 minutes after they use your product, because that's mm-hmm. going to give you a better sense of what their need really is and how could you expand your offering to be more relevant to them. So, you know, that kind of using all of these little data sources and trying to pull them together and then visualize that person, you know, develop a persona. Mm. And, you know, in in marketing, we're doing that with digital personas as well. So Mm. what, you know, what's somebody's digital life like? What channels do they prefer to use? Some people are very tied to Facebook. Some are very tied to Instagram. Some, you know, absolutely won't share personal data on, on social, um, you know, people have got different digital personas as well. And you, ha- you have to understand that as much as you can, if you're going to reach people effectively. So you're not trying to come up with this sort of like average Joe, who's your customer, you are actually developing a, a number of personas then I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to, yeah. I mean, we're trying to, you know, get, get deeper into those, into those segments and the way we segment our our market isn't really about how they buy from us I mean that's traditionally how we've segmented them you know we've got we might have customers in this country who buy this product that that's our view of segmentation but um, you know really looking at segmentation is is understanding for them what's what's important there might be there might be very different people in different countries around the world but they might all be for example really driven by social justice say mm-hmm. um and and that you know if you can gather data that could give you that kind of segmentation then you can communicate very differently with those people very very interesting fascinating so and um, i'd like to sort of just explore a little bit about how D is helping you with all of the the challenges that you've got mm. at the moment so What's your take then? I mean, we're we're very we're fortunate that um, that Emerald puts a you know a strong a strong emphasis on L and D believes in the value of L and D. Um, always helps, doesn't which, it? Which helps, and 
um, and, and, and recently, Mike, who you know is 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 leading our our L and D program at the moment, he's he's been looking at uh, uh, I mean, it's actually seven different pillars in a framework of how of how L and D can help the business. And so, you know, for us, it's it's really quite quite large scale. But but to, I mean, just trying to sort of I suppose take it out of that theoretical framework and, and boil it down to how it's affected me. I'd probably say the number one thing that has helped me um, in terms of what L&D do is they are getting to know us. They're getting, okay. to know what, they're getting to know what we do. So they come along and, for example, next week, we're having a big, big kind of, mar- well, we call it marketing week. Um, all of the marketeers around the company, we all get together and we kind of look at what, what are our plans for next year and how are we doing as a team? And, and we have, you know, we go out and, you know, we, we kind of gel. L&D coming along to those sessions, with, even though they might not have something to deliver, but they're, they're listening to people and they're looking at what we're trying to do and they're, they're getting an understanding, not just of the skills that we need, but also the kinds of behaviours that people have in the department and hearing, um, you know, what's going well, but what are we finding more difficult? So they can be much more strategic. So they're really getting under the bonnet of what's what's happening in the business rather than just being sort of separate or this artificial sort of partnering, which is really, you know, again, it's something I think that we talk about in learning development, but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's a bit of a fear, you know, that you're going to ask a silly question. Mm. Um, mm. and I'm sure actually you probably won't mind L&D asking those daft questions because it then shows that they actually want to know and are curious about what you do yeah oh yeah absolutely and and you know the the, the last thing you want is a kind of set of courses that you're supposed to do but nobody knows why and and I think you know the key thing that I found effective from the L&D approach is asking us first what are our challenges what are we struggling with and then and then helping you know it's it's, it's kind of co-creation co-designing some solutions for that but the, the other approach that Mike's been taking with us is um is you know pilot something try something mm. try and, and we've tried a few things some some of which you can kind of tell this isn't this isn't really landing we should probably probably move on from this it's just might be might be a great theory might be a great tool but in this context just doesn't people aren't really talking about it afterwards Mm -hmm. and and I think and and then you try something else and people are kind of abuzz with with what happened in that session you know that was great Mm. we really looked at looked at something so I mean he's tried um with uh, actually just a subset of the marketing department. We've got a a, a smaller digital marketing team um, trying this uh, profiling tool with them called Mm CME, which is, um, I'm sure you know about it, but it's it's sort of colors-based profiling that helps you as a team then look at your whole kind of color wheel and realize oh, we're all a bit here. We haven't actually got anybody who's over here. It's just, it's very, very simple. 
but it it gives I think the key thing I noticed is it gives people in the team a shared vocabulary Mm. going back to that feedback rich culture it's a lot easier to say you're being a bit yellow now yes <laughs> rather me. than yeah rather, rather than, than something else rather than um you know try, trying to articulate why you're finding it hard to have that conversation with somebody yeah. there and then you know it's a simple shared vocabulary and that you know that with that team that worked quite well mm. so, so now we're going to try doing that across the whole department because we've kind of tried it Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that approach of, of um, really business partnering and, and just, you know, let's try a few little, little approaches here. Let's see what people are picking up on. What, what are they obviously finding useful? Because, again, going back to feedback-rich culture, I think you will, you will hear, I will hear if people like something or they don't like something or at least their managers will hear and they'll tell me as well um that you know you can't you can't force people to engage you you have to you have in some ways you have to see if they do and if they do then then scale that up and i suppose part of that is not being afraid to to do those fails as well so if you're piloting something not to be afraid that it will it might flop but learn from the flop yeah and, and and say to people even just simply say to people was it useful yeah. <laughs> what have you got out of it what are you going to do now what are you going to do next or differently yeah now that you've done that mm. and I just wanted to sort of like um wrap up with just some thoughts from you about what you hope L&D in the future might look like so if we're going to fast forward a little bit you know mm. and, and looking at I mean the, the world is so uncertain but how would L&D, how would you see L&D changing so that that would support, you know, this um, ever-changing world that we live in? I think I would hope that they are seen less as a separate department and more as a continual thread across the business that actually everybody needs to take some responsibility for. Um, it's a philosophy more than a department. And, and in terms of the sort of characteristics I think, you know, moving from one-off learning events or development events to, to continuous self-directed development that isn't so top-down, that is in a, in a more feedback-rich rather than one-way dialogue culture and is much more practical and applied rather than theoretical. And I think in order for that to happen, you can have these real catalysts of L&D professionals, but you need people who are working in the business to mm. take on L&D, either as a manager or a leader or for yourself. It ultimately comes down to your own responsibility. Do you, how do you want to progress and how do you want to develop? And you should expect more and demand more um, of, of tools and ideas and conversations to help you do that those are just some fantastic tips really Harry, and great insights i think for anybody in lnd you know just looking at the fact that you want lnd to be closer to the business um also that feedback rich culture as well and i love that phrase actually that you you had which was more of a philosophy uh, rather than a department as well so 
some fantastic stuff there. I can't thank you enough, um, Harriet, for being such a, a willing and open uh, guest on this <laughs> podcast and, uh, and pandering to my questions as well. So I'd just like to give a, a big thank you to you for coming on um, mm-hmm. and sharing your thoughts with us. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank, thank you again for having me. And um, it's, uh, it's refreshing to be able to just take a bit of time out and talk about this. So I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you. And I hope anybody who's listening to the podcast gets loads out of it. I certainly have done um, as well. So goodbye from me for now. Mm-hmm.